Hey, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I have with me uh, Pastor Eric, you know, and a lot of you have submitted questions in regards to what we talk about today. And the topic for today is what it's like to be a biblical man. Uh, when I look at his life, he's a pastor. You know, he's someone who loves to go hunting, but at the same time, he loves his wife and his, he's raising some amazing kids. Um, so I really hope that um, this inspires you to become a better man and to serve your church and uh, to love your family. And the reason I wanted to have this conversation with you specifically is because when I look at your life, you're one of those guys, guys, where you go hunting and you do all these things, but then at the same time, I remember how many times you come over to our youth ministry and the way you loved on our youth ministry, you know, uh, you have such a father's heart, you know, and I think a lot of people that are maybe watching this were, I think a lot of people um, today, they don't have that father figure in their life. Um, so I want to talk to you about what is it like to be a godly man? Uh, growing up, I wish to have a mentor, and it, 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 I never really had that. And I remember the Lord speaking to my heart saying that, hey, you know, even if you don't have a mentor, can you become the person that you wish you had? And you know, now to see how you kind of came in our church and, and the way you have, the way you love your wife, the way you love, you know, your kids. And I had Justice, which is your son, mm-hmm. um, on in my youth ministry and to see how, how respectful he is. And I'm like, man, this is a, this is a young man brought up right. So today I wanted to have you on here and just ask you some questions about what is it like to be a man? So in your own definition, what would you say a godly man looks like, you know, or godly manhood looks like. Yeah. Uh, it's just a light sir. topic, uh, yeah. you know, small, yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, so I think if I could narrow it down to one kind of main heading, mm-hmm. uh, a, a godly man, like you said, in our culture is uh, that that macho guy, he's, he's Works conquered. Out. Yeah, he <laughs> hits the gym a lot, which I think godly guys should hit the gym. Yeah, um, come on. But, uh, and, and exercise their bodies, yeah. but rarely do, the, and they're very emotional. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, but a, a lot of times so insecure mm-hmm. because they don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. They don't know whose they are. Mm-hmm. They don't know who they belong to. Yeah. And so the result is you have these guys who have never, um, never had anybody tell them this is what it means to be a man. Yeah. And so I think in, in a, uh, if I could put a banner over the top of it, it would be anything that reflects the character and heart of God. Mm, that's um, so good. And, and so there's a lot of things you could obviously that, uh, yeah. uh, endless and we don't have the, the time to go into yeah, all of them, yeah. but a, a couple of things would be uh, somebody who's humble. Yeah. Um, humble. And I say that in, in terms of, you know, the prophet Micah, he talks about mm-hmm. walking with God in a yeah. humble way because we're recognizing that we're not the, uh, the, the buck doesn't stop with us. Mm-hmm. Um, we're submitted to him. We're submitted to his authority. Yeah. And so, and we're submitted to, um, human authority as well. Yeah. You know, the, where we've, we've got, can somebody tell you what to do? <laughs> can, can you be commanded? You know, like, yeah. um, Paul talked about Timothy, his spiritual son. He says, my true son. And, you know, I mean, he, he wanted to take him on mission, mm-hmm. you know, so he was asking to do an extra biblical thing at that time, which was to go get circumcised. You didn't need to, yeah, but he said, yeah. Hey, this will enhance our mission a little bit yeah, more, yeah. you know? So, 
Um, do you have somebody that you answer to that way? Um, you know, are you a protector? Mm -hmm. um, that's a huge one. And the opposite of that would be a predator. Um, oh, wow. You know, as we're, yeah. we'll get the into that maybe a little bit more. Movement. And yeah. Re relationally. But, you know, the Me Too movement has some credibility, of mm -hmm. course, mm -hmm. to it. We don't like it. Yeah. Um, because yeah. there's so many fabrications and falsehoods associated with it. But at the same time, what women are addressing is, hey, we have taken men and turned them into predators. Mm -hmm. They're not a protector like God. They're not a deliverer like God. They're not a rescuer like God. Mm -hmm. When man, when men are who they're supposed to be, mm -hmm. then women, I think, are more com much more comfortable being who they're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. To me, I, I think a lot of times, even the whole Me Too movement is started with the man who's supposed to protect, they've abused that. You know, but if I know anything and in my, my years as a pastor, I also know that men, a lot of times they hurt because they were hurt, you know, and that, that means obviously that's no excuse, right? Like you can sit here and be, make all kinds of excuses where you can say, hey, the bucket stops with me and I'm not, I'm not continuing this brokenness, mm -hmm. you know? Um, on the other hand, I also want to kind of ask you, um, just kind of start at that, what would you say to someone that maybe has been abused, uh, be it physically, emotionally, uh, sexually, and now they continue that cycle of abuse? And the, the, the only way for that to stop is for that, for that guy to, to break that cycle of abuse. Uh, and instead of going around hurting people, is to seek forgiveness for himself and also at the same time, you know, be a, to change around, right? And start to become a protector. So, uh, because, you know, we can, again, like make excuses, but at the end of the day, like there's reasons why a lot of guys act the way they act. Because a lot of times they might have big muscles, but they're still, you know, eight year old boy inside. They never really grew up emotionally. They never grew up. They never really took responsibility for their actions. So in church, how do we address this? I mean, how do we address with people that have been abused, you know, and then see how we can turn around, you know, and, and to see people being forgiven and to seek forgiveness? Yeah. Um, we don't always have control mm -hmm. over what happens to us. Mm -hmm. um, but we do have control over how we respond to that, yeah. to that situation. And so you're, uh, when, you know... I, me personally, mm -hmm. um, when I was a young boy, had a uh, Sunday school worker, mm -hmm. you know, sexually abuse me. Wow. Um, a friend of mine uh, later on, you know, six years old, sexually abused me and, and make sexual advances toward me. And wow. so it's it was something that I never told my parents. Mm -hmm. um, my dad was the pastor of the church. You know, I was four years old when that first situation happened. Mm -hmm. um, then when I was, uh, you know, got married, I think I was, you know, 26, 27 years old. Yeah. Uh, went on an encounter retreat. Mm -hmm. God really, this is a, a retreat where you get away, you know, and you're going through prayer deliverance and, you know, mm -hmm. some inner healing for hurts and things to help you move past the hurts of life. Yeah. And it, it wasn't until that time. And I, I, I didn't even... It's not like I really thought about it, mm -hmm. but I realized looking back now that those things really affected me, mm -hmm. really impacted my life in a, in a huge way. Um, in the way that I uh, viewed my own sexuality, the way mm -hmm. I viewed the opposite sex. Um, and uh, so, 
you know, I, I received, you know, prayer ministry at that time. And then we, mm-hmm. then we came home from that retreat and, you know, my wife and I continued to talk and, and Lisa really encouraged me, Hey, we, we should get some more help. Mm-hmm. And so I remember sitting down with this couple in our church, um, some of our leaders and, yeah. and talking with them and just opening up. And I, I don't, I don't remember crying or weeping too many mm-hmm. times like that, you know, mm-hmm. and, but it was, it was so profound because as, as the, as I, I guess if I, I was willing to, to be transparent finally yeah. to open up and recognize and say, listen, this was wrong. Yeah. Um, this was an injustice. Um, yeah. I didn't have anything to do with it. And part of the confusion that mm-hmm. comes in for, you know, for, uh, for instance, um, people who have been sexually abused, the body doesn't think mm-hmm. the mind does the, you know, the, the, the brain thinks, but the, the body doesn't think. And so when somebody is abused in a certain way, um, sexually or, or whatever, even spiritual abuse, right, they come right. across that all the time. They've been spiritually abused in church, church and kind of cult where totally. Yeah. And, and so they're, they're carrying this, this hurt and this pain and this trauma around, uh, in them and but they need to be able to uh, allow the Lord to come in and and fellowship with them mm-hmm. and I don't I'm not trying to use a religious term there right but it right. really is an invitation to the Lord to come in and, and in, invite him into a place um, that nobody else knows about mm-hmm. but then I've got to be willing to invite somebody else yeah, yeah. in there and say hey I need to tell you about this mm-hmm. and so that's that's friends. But oftentimes people turn to, yeah, yeah, they turn to friends, their peers who are stuck in the same thing they're stuck in. And I think you've got to go to somebody who, you, who, um, you know, pastors or or different Mm -hmm. ones like that, who, um, professional counselors, Christian counselors who can help walk you through those steps because it, it is just get that, get to that starting point. But Mm -hmm. the shame, the enemy wants to keep you in shame, Mm -hmm. wants to keep you isolated. Mm -hmm. Um, that's always where, um, the gazelle or the wildebeest gets taken out is the one that's isolated by themselves. And I think that kind of, anytime we don't deal with stuff like this, it manifests itself in very destructive behaviors, uh, meaning that you start to self-medicate with pornography, with, uh, I'm not sure if that was the case for you, but like, I think a lot of people where they feel a certain shame and then they try to kind of like self-medicate instead of actually looking for healing and restoration, asking the Holy Spirit to come and, and have their heart restored and changed they seek to self-medicate through some kind of a drug addiction, and that just leads them into a further brokenness, into more shame. Um, and I would say that, you know, fully we have to, you know, allow the Holy Spirit to come and start changing that. Otherwise, and by the way, like if you guys, or anyone who is listening to this podcast, um, or if you're watching this video, you know, if you're dealing with pornography or a drug addiction, that has to stop. And, and I think a lot of it, for me especially, I never really had a drug addiction problem. I never really did drugs or got drunk, any of that. But porn was definitely a thing that at 16, 17, 18 was something that I just could not break. You know, until the moment I started to, I remember I was at church and I walked to the front and I'm, you know, and I remember the Lord just kind of coming and, and I was just bawling. I was just kind of like, you know, tears and everything flowing. I wish to tell you that that completely transformed right away, but it wasn't. It was a journey out of it. It was little by little, God has pulled me out of that. And that 
included me always, uh, you know, whenever I get a new uh, device, the first thing that I do is install some kind of like filtering software with accountability software. Mm -hmm. um, and that was, you know, for the last, I would say more than a decade, that's what I've been doing. Um, because I'm not like the older generations, they didn't really have, you know, the culture that we have right now. They had to walk to a store, right, and buy a, a, a magazine, a magazine. but now it's like it's on our phones, it's on your computers, and I love what Covenant Eyes is doing right now where they actually, you know, have a software on your phone where if you download it, um, they can actually take screenshots and send it to your accountability partner. And that can be embarrassing sometimes because, you know, like Silas is my accountability partner and, and like, you know, I look, he, he got sent like, oh, Slavik looked up this profile on Facebook and I'm like, man, what's, what's, what's the big deal about yeah. this? You know, like, so it could be little things that get sent out to your accountability partner. But I think that's so important that you first cut off the source where you're watching it through. If it's cable, if it's your your computer, you need to have accountability software. But at the same time, if you just remove out of your life without seeking the Holy Spirit, I think that's another problem because you can't just be empty expecting you'll get better. You know. So what would you say to someone that maybe has not dealt with it, uh, with their abuse, or maybe they just sort of wandered into pornography for any reason or any kind of addiction? How do we deal with that? Yeah. Uh, you know. Uh, the first time I remember mm -hmm. viewing pornography, I, yeah. I was at my cousin's house, walked in an older mm -hmm. cousin and, and, uh, they were just viewing pornography on the TV. Yeah. It was like HBO or, you know, something mm -hmm. like that. And, uh, I just remember, you know, wow. Um, that, that, that opened up a whole new yeah. world because, yeah. uh, I'm 46 mm -hmm. yet. Like you said, you had to work a little bit harder, yeah. um, for those things, <laughs> for those things um, back in the day. Yeah, it, it certain magazines would come to the uh, you know uh, I know for f some females who would be watching this you're like oh my goodness <laughs> um, you know, you're getting a, a, a front row seat to some of the struggles that guys have yeah, but yeah. like it was the you know J C Penny magazine or yeah, something you yeah. know you got the women in bras and whatever yeah. it's like okay that's a struggle for mm -hmm. for dudes yeah. you know. Um, so those were kind of the gateway things that led to greater struggles. Um, I, I, I get, I think I can say really with integrity that even through all the different struggles and stuff mm -hmm. that I faced, uh, with lust, mm -hmm. um, it was, I, I think I still had a relationship with the Lord. I know mm -hmm. I did. I, yeah. I had a relationship with the Lord. Um, it wasn't until I invited somebody into that struggle mm -hmm. Because if you're fighting alone, you're still, yes, it's with the Lord and all that. But God didn't, you know, I've, I've heard it said before, salvation is a team sport. Yeah. It, it really is yeah. because you've got to work out your salvation. salvation. Yeah. You've, and and he, Paul is addressing that in the context of a community, mm -hmm. a, a church people, yeah. you know, to the, the different churches. And so as we... As we do this, you know, the question would be, who's in your corner? Mm. 
Who's in your corner with you? Um, who MMA fighter goes yeah. into the ring? You're never going to see an MMA fighter, boxer, any by type himself. of competitor all by himself. Yeah. He's got coaches, trainers, all these people around him. And so I remember specifically 13 years old, my dad sitting down with me and saying, Eric, listen, uh, I know you're struggling uh, probably mm -hmm. with these things. You're a young man. You're going through yeah. you know, puberty, yeah. all that. Uh, I remember at nine years old him saying, Eric, you can ask me anything you want, mm -hmm. any question. You know, and so I'm asking him about, you know, why do women bleed that time of the month? And, yeah. you know, where do babies come from? And we, we start having those conversations. But I'm so grateful yeah. because that helped keep me open mm -hmm. and, and transparent and vulnerable in ways. Because every once in a while, he would ask me, how you doing? And I'm like, oh, you know, I failed again, whether it be. Yeah. yeah I, I wanted to ask you really quick because in my own experience, and I think a lot of guys that are watching this right now. Um, our fathers were not really emotionally available. Um, and if you, you know, are giving advice to someone that is a father right now, you know, how would you, I mean, how do you do it in your family? Like justice, for example, how do you keep that door open? Do you just have a conversation with him or do you spend a lot of time with him? How do you, how do you even start that conversation? Because like, I never felt like I could go up to my dad and talk about these things. Yeah. I never felt like that I, that was safe enough for me to ask those kind of questions, you know. Uh, but I hope that things will change around. I hope that fathers understand how important that is for somebody somebody growing up, having someone to go to with their struggles. So, so many things are going off in my mind. I don't, I don't know if I can <laughs> keep track yeah. of them all. Yeah. But um, one of the things I would say is that where my dad came from, mm -hmm. he did not have a present father who was involved mm -hmm. in his life. His mom died when he was six months old. Mm -hmm. um, he went through foster care um, and uh, different things like that. So um, his dad was married four or five different times. Uh, it was it was you know, they did not have a good relationship yeah, growing up. Yeah. My dad came to Christ when he was in his early 20s. Uh, my, my grandfather was an atheist, didn't want to have anything to do with that. So there was a real strained relationship. My dad gave me something that I that he himself did not get. Mm -hmm. I say that from the standpoint of those who are watching just mm -hmm. because you didn't grow up. You yeah. didn't have a father yeah. who was yeah. present, who was somebody that you probably wanted to talk to him. You just yeah, didn't feel absolutely. like you could, yeah. because I think that's in every son and daughter, like to want to be able to just lay it open and say, listen, I'm messing up. I don't know how to fix this. Can you help me? Because you've mm -hmm. lived life a lot longer than me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, to your point in terms of practicalities, um, one of the things my dad, you know, would ask me, I remember these different discipleship questions he came across from Chuck Colson, which yeah. was, you know, are you doing this? Are you doing this? Yeah. Are you into porn? Are you into... And the last one is, are you lying to me about anything? <laughs> <laughs> I actually did this. Well, like the you first know? year at, at City Hill, like we would actually meet up with, with all the guys yeah. and we would actually have to go the same exact thing. And then the last question was, are you lying to me? Yeah. And you knew that every other week we had to do this. And it was, it was very like, it was hard to do, but it was so like, I was so desperate for that, yeah. for someone to hold you accountable. Someone that says, Hey, so I understand. It's, it comes down to yeah. a relationship of grace, mm -hmm. starting with the Lord, mm -hmm. a relationship with grace with other people. Um, so, you know, just the other day, I mean, justice has really been going after this stuff. Yeah, you know, we've yeah. been, and I, I, you know, began to approach him from when he was a young age, all mm -hmm. my kids, um, from the time they were two years old, we yeah. started this thing we do called daddy special time. So each of them, I have five children. So we start yeah. everyone has a day of the week. 
And so we, you know, before school, we're going out, we're, we're talking. Yeah. So it started early on talking about dolls and trucks and, and yeah. all that. And now we're talking about <laughs> boys and girls and yeah. uh, sex and relationships and, and all yeah. that. It, it deepens. But when you when you begin opening up those things about things that don't matter so much, yeah. it's a natural thing to then open lead, up about yeah. the deeper parts of our heart. And, and so that, that just, was interesting to me because Trinity told me that. She's like, mm-hmm. oh, I had a day with my dad. And I'm like whoa, what? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, we meet up, you know? And, and I was like, this is so amazing, you know, just to, to, to go on a date with your daughter, you know, and, and to take your son out for, for, you know, and just spend time with him. Like we, we never had any of that. And yeah. I think if you're a father here, if you could do that for your son, I mean, that'll mean the world, you know? So now we're at a point where, yeah. you know, I, I think I've built a, a bridge of trust with my kids, yeah. you know, through that investment of time and, mm-hmm. and all that and deep conversation mm-hmm. and asking the hard questions. Um, you know, and I, I just, I'm so grateful to the Lord for that. Um, you know, just the other day, you know, my son's coming to me and hands me his phone and he's like, okay, dad, you're setting the code for the restrictions on my mm-hmm. phone so that I yeah. can't access these other things. Yeah. Now that's not the end all it's, yeah. I like how he said, it. he goes, these are training wheels, yeah. you know, to help me get strong enough to the point yeah. where I can say no to, you know, these different areas. But um, you, you know, that, that we talk about it mm-hmm. because it's a real thing. It, it happens all the time. We can't, we can't turn on our phones or our devices without facing some yeah. level of temptation in some way. Um, just Instagram, you know, looking yeah. twice about, yeah. you know, something that you shouldn't have ever been on there, you know, hopefully in with, the first yeah. place. So, uh, another thing I would say is that, um, another thing that's been huge, we started something at the church. Uh, we, it's not like an exclusive thing. It's just an invitation only thing though, that we've, that we've done because we want guys to really take it seriously Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. uh, and, and really be committed. Uh, we started a thing called fight club. Mm -hmm. And so fighting the good fight of faith in your marriage in your, so we got single, we got married guys, old and young, and just that are there saying, Hey, we want, we want to walk in victory with the Lord and we want to be accountable to one another. And so in August we started this, we've been going through this thing called the purple book, which is a Mm -hmm. discipleship training Mm -hmm. manual uh, for young college students who are just coming to Christ, you know, some basic biblical foundations. So, and then we meet together every Saturday morning, eight to nine 30. Sometimes they've been going till 10, 11 o'clock. You know, we're just staying, we're on our faces. We're weeping. We're crying out to God. You know, this is North Campus, right? This is North Uh, Campus, City Hill, North Campus. Yeah, but Mm -hmm. anyway, just and I've the testimony of guys in that group has been this is the thing that is I've just like helped me turn the corner. This has changed my life. Um, The guys love it because they've finally gotten to the place where we've been building enough trust together that they're opening up about some of their struggles and failures. And then we're keeping in contact during the week. Dude, I'm struggling. Uh, You know, I got a job thing from that to lust issues. And guys are just blasting them with scripture and encouragement. Dude, I'm praying. I'm on it. You know, so you feel like somebody's got your back. You're going into the fight with the trainers and coaches, with the help of these people cheering you on. That is so amazing because I think the other side of the coin is one thing is to keep away from pornography, and, and but uh, the other thing is is that you have to make choices to actually pursue the right things, right? Like making sure that you're healthy emotionally, making sure that you are disciplining yourself, and that that is so huge, right? Like you have an athlete that spends eight hours a day disciplining themselves and their body to compete, where for that you know 15 minutes of fame on on TV, right? But here we're talking about eternity, right? Like we're talking about you know, walking in the faith your whole life. And, and I think this is where we have to discipline our bodies spiritually. And with that said, how would you recommend people, like, obviously being part of a local church? I think we all know that. I think 
if you're not, by the way, any of these videos should not be the primary source where you are actually getting discipled. This should be all supplemental. You need to find a local church. You know, you're plugged in that where you are known and where, you know, people call you and if you yeah. don't show up, right, yeah. and you're, you're held accountability, um, obviously reading the Bible. But what, what else would you say we should be doing to spiritually discipline ourselves not to fall into the traps of the enemy? Uh, yeah, uh, there's a number of things that, that come to mm-hmm. mind, but, um, you know, I mean, a, a, a daily time with prayer. I mean, yeah. these, these Devotion, struggles yeah. and, and challenges that, that guys are facing, um, that any gals are facing, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you sit down with them and you talk with them and they finally open up and you start asking them some of the basic questions. So, you know, do you, do you have a daily time, you know, or mm-hmm. throughout the day that you're in the word that you're studying God's word? Yeah. You know, well, I'm, you know, I'm a delivery guy. Great. Bible's on audio. You can, li- you <laughs> can be listening all yeah. day long, uh, you know, and, and getting that into who you are uh, as, you know, in your relationship with the Lord. So much of a relationship with God or mm-hmm. a spiritual life is left to chance. It's mm-hmm. like, well, it might happen. No, we can be, like you said, really intentional about yeah. it. So that time of prayer and communion, which yeah. is oftentimes we emphasize the morning time. I would really encourage that. Get up extra early. You know, spend that time before so you can start your day that yeah. way. When your mind is clear of all yeah. that. And... That's not a rabbit's foot. Yeah. That's not yeah. a good luck charm. And some people <laughs> approach it that way. Yeah. It's like, oh, I didn't get time in the Word today, so it's a horrible day. No. Mm-hmm. Because it's communion, it's it's fellowship, it's relationship God, yeah. with Him throughout your day. I don't just have time with my wife in the morning. Yeah, you know, yeah. seeing her, how you doing, babe? It's it's a you know, calling her throughout yeah. the day. We're talking. Uh, so uh, yeah, having that continual communication. So relationship with the Lord, um, with His Word, um, mm-hmm. studying all those things, prayer. Yeah, uh, I would add one more thing that um, to pursue actually and be intentional about your friendships. Who are you friends with? Mm-hmm. I mean, that will, to me, I think it's this. It's so crazy to even mention this, but if you look in history, most the young like boys were discipled by older men. You know, now it's like our whole church structure, our culture structure is structured in a way that a lot of young boys spend most of their time with other young boys, right? Like if they're, you know, if they're teens, that they're in school together, you know. And I think this is really important that you find friends and you are intentional about them. And when I say friends, people that are a, a lot more ahead of you spiritually than you are. I met um, this friend of mine at our church here in Bellevue, and his name is Chip, and he, you know, he's 72 years old. Uh, but I make it such a priority to meet up with him because mm-hmm. like the, the advice that I get from him, the, the mentorship that I get from him, and I'm so intentional about this friendship because I, you know, he's been such a rock you know, to kind of like point to the things where I don't even see. You know, obviously it's important that you have, you know, friends your age, but I would say friends in your age, they should be also people that are godly, you know, not, you know, because the Bible says that if you hang out with fools, it doesn't say you're going to become a fool. It says you will suffer destruction, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's, it's a lot worse. So I would say be really careful who you tell everything um, to. And um, yeah. We, we have two minutes left in this podcast uh, for the first part of it. What else would you add to someone that maybe is not married? In the second part of this podcast, we're going to talk about marriage and, and how do you lead your wife and so on and so forth. But kind of like as a father, what would you say to a young person who, um, you know, is in church but is still struggling? 
you know, uh, what advice would you give them and seek out, I would say, for me, it would be personally to really have a relationship with their pastor. Um, what, what else would you add to that? Would you, um, how would you, that person relate to, to the church is, is what I mean. Yeah. Uh, I, w- I would say seek to be respected and honored among mm-hmm. the men in the community. That's good. Um, yeah. And the only way you do that is to be known. Yeah. You know, make yourself known. Like which, you said, which makes you vulnerable. Yeah. 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 Well, put you, put this, yourself yeah. like around shit. Yeah. You know, and, and other men. That That is mm-hmm. one of the greatest things that I think men and women, young men and women mm-hmm. should be striving for is to be honored mm-hmm. and respected amongst the honorable, mm-hmm. um, those who are honored in the community, as well as um, serving, yeah. you know, looking for opportunities to serve. How can I help? Um, servant is not somebody who can do what they're told. It's yeah. somebody who's looking for opportunities to give out to yeah. other people. That's what will earn you respect and honor. And mm-hmm. uh, I think most should should try and do yeah, that. Yeah, like Apostle Paul says, pursue the honorable things, you know, the, the good things. And I think a lot of our pursuits are so meaningless nowadays. Now, we want to kind of shift focus a little and talk about what we can do as guys to, uh, well, first, how do we re- relate to um, the opposite sex? At the same time, how do we prepare, you know, to lead our future wife and kids and family in general at the same time as doing ministry? So... Um, how, I mean, how did you do with Pastor Eric? Um, how did you, I mean, did you do anything to prepare for marriage or, um, what would you say to that? Yeah. As a, as a young man, uh, you know, starting to think ahead to, Mm -hmm. uh, how how do I want to be when I'm married and how Mm -hmm. do I begin to practice that while I'm single? Yeah. Uh, is kind of a tough thing. You got to have kind of a good imagination and and think yeah. ahead. But um, it, it was, you know, I think if if you want to act like you're married when you're married, mm-hmm. act like you're married when you're single, mm-hmm. because it's it's all about preparation. It's like eternity. Everything that we're doing right now, yeah. if it doesn't lead us to prepare, and it's not preparing us for eternity, then it's it's not a good thing. Just like so yeah. many of the yeah. struggles that we find, absolutely, uh, yeah. that we were referring to in the last one, but. Um, I would say become a man of revelation. Mm-hmm. So learn to have a relationship with God so that you can hear him and direct him because that's how you're going to have to be able to identify who it is that God is joining you together with in terms of that young woman uh, that God has for you. You've got to be able to know by revelation, not by what she looks like physically necessarily. Yeah. Um, those are important things. It's not like we don't have eyes in, in our head. Yeah, we yeah. do. Um, beauty is one thing, but if you look at places like Genesis 24, uh, Abraham, what did he do? He didn't send Isaac to go look for the girl. Mm-hmm. He sent his chief servant who he could trust because he was going to look through different eyes mm-hmm. than, than Isaac would have. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, she was beautiful, you know, and, and the servant acknowledges that, but she was a woman of character because she came out and she's like, Hey, can I water your camels? <laughs> um, and, or can I get you some water? Yeah. And then, and then he says, um, and then he recognized, wow, this girl goes the extra mom. I mean, she's a yeah. real true servant's heart. Mm-hmm. She's been that she must come from a great family. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? These are, these are the different uh, you know, filters that he sought to discover who the one was. Yeah. I um, mean, he's really looking for it. But the first question he asks is, who is she and mm-hmm. how will I know? And he goes, Lord, would you grant me? And so he begins by prayer. Yeah. You know, so, so again, who's in your corner? 
Yeah. Um, you got the chief servant, you got your parents, you got different ones in your corner, you got godly friends that you're pursuing the Lord with. Uh, these are, you know, important people, but it's got to start with revelation. Yeah. You've got to know because you're going to, you're going to face struggles, right? You're going to have those questions later on when you do get married. Mm -hmm. Did I make a mistake? Did I make the right thing? Did I marry the wrong one? No, you got to be able to go back and stand on that faith of yeah. no, God said, God is the one who brought this person into my life. You know, it's interesting if you look at the contrast between Samson and Isaac, for example, right? Like the, they obviously didn't live in the same time, but one of them, you know, didn't listen to his parents like Samson, like, just give me that woman, like, because I like her, you know, mm -hmm. she's pleasing to my eyes, yeah. right? And then here you have someone that involved, you know, his father, you know, in this whole process of finding someone. I think, you know, a lot of times when we fall in love or we actually, I don't even know if I want to use that term, but like when we love somebody, like we're blindsided by it, right? Like and by, by that and by that person. And a lot of times we tend to lie to ourselves a lot and say, well, they're godly and they're this. But when you have someone that doesn't doesn't have that emotional attachment, mm -hmm. they can look and say, who are you telling? Like, like, I don't think they're godly, right? Like, I don't think, and I think this is so important where you involve, I think for me as a pastor, a lot of times I get extremely defensive. And I think when you have people in your congregation, they respect you as a pastor, but they start dating without even telling you. And, and I'm like, well, you should probably have someone that is not, you know, involved in this whole relationship, right, uh, to tell you, is this person godly or not, you know? And I see the results of that all the time where they get into a relationship that is not godly mm -hmm. because they never saw, you know, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a specific pastor, but it could be a godly counsel, maybe a mentor that is godly that, that can look at that and, and say, but when we try to do decisions on our own, it's it leads to destruction, you yeah. know? Um, so that's it's not like people yeah. need permission yeah. from a pastor, right, right? Right, right, But we would be wise to have a multitude of counselors, yeah. you know, around us. And it's not like we're telling yeah. dirt on other people, but mm -hmm. we do know, um, you know, we tend to know about things going on in people's lives and yeah. struggles. And we could just, you know, be able to say, hey, you know what? I think she's great, mm -hmm. but not yet. Yeah. Or, you know, she's great, but you're not ready, dude. You, you've got, and here's the <laughs> you things need to step that, on her level. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, you need to get your, you know, I remember my dad telling me, you, you're going to, you seriously interested in Lisa? Yeah. Uh, you better get your track shoes on, boy. Because you, that girl is looking to run. She's following yeah. God, yeah. you know, going after it. And, and I, I like, uh, Russell and I, you know, we like to tell people, it's like, okay. you know, pursue God with everything within yeah. you and then look to the left or to see the right doing and, the same and thing. see who's doing the same thing. Who's going after it and then run together yeah i love that love that now so once you step into marriage uh i think one of you know because I, I i'm single but i've seen you know people that are already married which uh, we need to spend a whole nother session on that about you just yeah to... you know we've been uh, we've been talking about this for a while now and uh... <laughs> sorry i got you uh i get what was the question <laughs> the question was um uh, how do i get married no, i'm joking <laughs> Once you step into marriage, I think a lot of times people feel like they that's going to fix their problems. Um, but I think that just sort of brings up to the surface what you have been kind of kicking down, you know. And um, so I've talked to guys that are married and they, they struggle with their insecurity and they feel like they cannot provide for their family and they feel like um, they're not good enough. You know, um, and I think there's always that kind of like, how do they balance between leading their their um, their family, but at the same time, they still have a lot of things that they're working through. So in your experience, 
what would be your advice to someone that maybe is married, stepped stepped into marriage, but they they didn't do it like they were not ready for it, uh, and now they're dealing with a lot of insecurity. They're dealing with a lot of like you know hurt uh, because they feel like they're not really like you know hurt. Um, so, what would you say to someone that is is going through that right now? Well, yeah, I think there's people who got into marriage prematurely, mm-hmm. um, or there's there's those who um, there's no amount of time yeah. that would have prepared, prepared them because they, they yeah. weren't willing to um, take certain steps mm-hmm. to deal with the certain issues, yeah. like getting people in your corner, accountability, dealing with their lack of integrity in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not carrying responsibility. And so because they didn't involve other people, mm-hmm. now they got into you know something they, they're not equipped to handle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you bring all this baggage. We all bring baggage into, you know, marriage, into yeah. our marriage. And so the things that we, we struggle with, um, we, we have to go back and do some demo work a lot of times yeah. and, and, and tear rebuild. some stuff down and then rebuild. Yeah. I mean, you were raised in your family. I was raised in yeah. mine. Edward was raised in his. Yeah. Um, shout out. Um, but the uh, That's right, behind the camera. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, so we have, to, we have to face all of those things. I, I know what I grew up in. Yeah. Um, but just because, uh, you know, m- my parents didn't necessarily do everything right. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do everything right. Um, so we're looking to God's word, obviously, as the standard. That is the manual for marriage. It's the standard for single men, single yeah. women. Um, how we, uh, you know, how we how we live life. I don't know if I'm answering the question. Did I? No, I I think you are. My my whole question was okay. If you already got into it, how do you sort of handle that situation? And the next part of this question would be okay. Now, how do you take steps to lead your wife? And what does it mean to like have authority as a husband, right? What does it mean to have authority? What does it mean to lead your... I know that's, it's quite a lot to explain, but um, I guess practically, how do you do that? You know, how do you say, hey, you know, like... Uh, I think a lot of men, like, we like to have people under our authority, but we're not willing to be under authority, mm-hmm. Right. Um, so a lot of guys that I hear, they, they walk around screaming, they're like, well, she's not listening to me, um, but they're not submitted under Christ's authority, you know? So how do you balance that? How do you balance between, okay, your needs and at the same time leading your family and, you know, uh, being under authority? Uh, what, what does yeah. that look like for you? I, I, I think that at some point it'd be really good yeah. if you had Lisa on the <laughs> on here. Um, I because, definitely will, actually. I mean, it, she, yeah. she meets with so many mm-hmm. women, yeah. um, wives. And one of the I think one of the biggest things that I continually hear is, guys, again, we, we grew up in the mm-hmm. environment that we did. So we learned yeah. from our parents yeah. how we did it. We caught something. They didn't mm-hmm. sit down and teach us, you know, hey, when your wife is, you know, getting... Yeah, upset and frustrated and being emotional, whatever, and uh, you know, you know, I'm teaching you to shut her down. No, we saw that being mm-hmm. demonstrated. Um, we saw a dominance or a control, mm-hmm. you know, within that context. We we were having this discussion just recently because um, obviously we're 20 years married now. Yeah, and we've had a lot of time to practice this, mm-hmm. um, and it always hasn't, hasn't always been good. Um, and <laughs> yeah. and some of it's been you know really challenging because yeah. you have to learn those skills. They don't mm-hmm. come batteries included. So batteries um, included. <laughs> you know Ephesians five really lays out. Okay, yeah. husbands, you have to learn to act like Christ. Mm-hmm. 
you have to relate to your wife the way that yeah. Christ relates to his. Um, talking to single guys, you know, you have to learn how to approach forming relationships the way that Christ forms relationships with his bride. With his bride yeah. um, so what are all those different things? Well, Ephesians 5 lays it out. He says, starts off and he says, defer to one another, submit to one another. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the, the the foundation of it. So there's this equality in value mm-hmm. before God, serving in different functions, though, within the context of the marriage. So when it comes to, then it goes into wives submit to your husbands. Yeah. I don't think that women have such a problem mm-hmm. with that so much. It's just that they don't have a husband that is doing his part. So we like to remind our spouse of the scriptures that are directed to them. Like, hey, babe, you need to submit to me because that's what the scripture said. Well, that wasn't written to you. Yeah. Forget about it. You focus on the ones that are written to you. You shouldn't be quoting that. You should be quoting what was written to you. You just need to look at the ones that are written to you and and seek to obey those. So uh, it, it says husband's. Um, husbands are the head of yeah. the wife. Yeah. And uh, so we, we read that and we go, that's the head. Well, my head tells everything else in my body what to do. Mm-hmm. But I, I think John Stott, if, you've, if you're familiar yeah. with him, yeah. um, anyway, he takes that word head, mm-hmm. looks at the three Greek words that are a possibility mm-hmm. for that. And the third one, I think, is the one that he notes is the the most likely which is means responsible mm-hmm. um so she is your responsibility Stability. to care for her well that fits yeah. with i relate to her the same way that christ does and so when if lisa and i have an issue yeah where we conflict you know mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. we we don't agree on something so what we're going to do is we're going to pray longer mm-hmm. and we're going to wait longer I don't make just some dominating controlling decision mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then if we come to a point where um, we're at a time. Mm-hmm. We have to make a decision. Hopefully, because of my mm-hmm. um, care and building trust yeah. and, and all that giving, and it says, give, husbands, give up your life or lay down your life for, for your, your wife. wife yeah. If I've been doing my job, then I think her job of being able to say, you know what, I can trust him because the scriptures talk to a wife about, um, you know, as unto the Lord, do yeah. these things yeah. in the way you relate. So, then hopefully she can be at a place where she can say, okay, I'm going to go with you on this one. Yeah, I probably will have to ask Pastor Lisa on this, but like, you know, I don't think any woman would actually be, you know, would have a problem with listening to her husband if the husband's willing to die for her. If the husband's willing to lay everything down for her, I don't think, you know, the wife has a problem, you know. Obviously, if it's not someone that is, you know, seeking after Christ, then of course, but I'm, I'm saying that, a lot of times, like like you mentioned, um, again, I'm not experienced in this area, so I don't really have that. But I think for me, it's it's really good to learn this now. Um, so w- with that said, what would you say was one of the greatest struggles that you had to kind of work through? And how did you overcome it, uh, if it's not extremely personal or anything? Yeah, I. Uh, well, it's tough to not be extremely <laughs> personal. I, I had As to, if we haven't been personal yeah. enough on this podcast. I, I had to call a friend on this one, and uh, so I reached out to Lisa. I said, "Babe, could you tell me what are the things that you know?" Because it, it's obviously yeah. she's she's known me um, for all these years and seen me uh, grow, and I didn't want to just you know come up with something on my own, and so. I asked her, and, and I, for a husband, I think uh, affection mm-hmm. and uh, learning to communicate and uh, non-sexual touch. Yeah. Um, so, in other words, 
you're not just communicating affection and, and mm-hmm. love and uh, those types of things only when you want something out of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but all the time, because it's about this relationship with mm-hmm. one another. It's about, so I think that's something that was learning how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the, the sexualization, the predatory aspect of our, mm-hmm. of our um, culture is such that I think, be, you know, women having to face cat calls and, you know, mm-hmm. guys like, you know, whistling yeah. and always these derogatory sexual terms and stuff. I think for a lot of, a lot of them, they're coming into marriage already expecting that, you know, mm-hmm. that, and, and so that can be that carryover into, into yeah. marriage. And so learning how to relate to them in a, in a pure, not, you know, non-sexual way like that. But, um, yeah. another one would be, uh, learning to hug the porcupine. <laughs> Could you expand on that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is this is a term that Lisa coined. Okay. Um, By the way, if you're a girl and you're watching this, you gotta meet Pastor Lisa. She's amazing. Like you know, everyone in our church loves her. Yeah. Uh, so it it is when when yeah. she is, you know, that that time of the month, yeah. or um, just going through something that's you know the way the way women and men are wired so differently, differently yeah. and men are emotional. We just yeah. show it in different ways. We yeah. usually go quiet, mm-hmm. and she's and just ignore things. Yeah, right, yeah. and or try and shut them down or, or something like that. But if we can learn to understand how a woman is wired, mm-hmm. which is a lifelong endeavor, because she's a mystery. She's the most perfect creation. She yeah. was the pinnacle of creation, right? Yeah, yeah. So she's more perfect, more intelligent, all that kind yeah. of stuff, you know. Um, but uh, it, it's it's learning to. Um, when she's going through that, she said, you know what? I don't need you to fix me. Mm-hmm. I don't need you to counsel me. Mm-hmm. I need you to hear me. Mm-hmm. And then if you could just come up and just give me a hug, mm-hmm. you know, I just hold me. And that's why she talks about when she's really prickly yeah. and she's hard, to, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's difficult yeah. for, for yeah. me to love her. Yeah. Um, if, if I can break through that and yeah. choose to love I think that's when we demonstrate the greatest level of love is when I, the last thing I feel like doing is loving her mm-hmm. or communicating that to her or demonstrating that to her. Um, so anyway, learn to, think, hug, learn to hug the porcupine. And it, can I yeah. say as well yeah, that, that uh, the practice for that as a single person mm-hmm. is learning to do that with your mom and with yeah. your sisters. Yeah. Because it's the closest people to us. Mm-hmm. that are the most difficult oftentimes. They hurt us the deepest and the most mm-hmm. because they're so close. They know us better than anybody else. So they know what buttons to push and everything. So learning to love, make the choice of love um, with sisters and moms, that's the greatest yeah. practice. And we work with our kids all the time on those kind of things with one another. Yeah, because um, that's exactly what I was going to say. I think that's just for any relationship. I think a lot of times we... Love, we look at love as a transaction, right? Like, if you love me, I'll love you back. But I think what Christ has done for us, he says, you love because I loved you first, you know? And and I think people that we think that don't deserve to be loved in that moment, this is where we have to say we were loved by Christ, so therefore we have to extend it, you know? And I've seen that so many times where, you know, a lot of us, we like to sort of, if they don't love us, then we just walk away. But I think in those moments, they need us to stick around the most. Um, yeah. I, I remember this one particular moment where we were at a restaurant and the, the server that was serving us, she was extremely like rude. And um, 
you know, everyone's just like, well, just don't tip her. But I noticed that she was like pregnant, mm. you know, and I just kind of like one of the biggest tips that I ever gave was that time when everyone felt like she didn't deserve anything. Mm-hmm. And I put that on a napkin saying like, hey, God bless you and your kid, you know. And I remember we kind of got held at the door and um, she came to me and she was just crying. And mm. she was like, thank you so much. Wow. You know, and I just kind of understood the power of loving someone when everyone thinks they don't deserve to be loved, you know, or, or you know, you to tip someone when you felt like you didn't get a good service. Right. I think this is a Christ-like, you know, um, behavior when we say, hey, regardless how you act. That's not going to change who I am. That's not going to change how I act. I'm going to take a step and actually love you even more now. And that's so beautiful how you, you know, how you said about your wife. So a um, few more questions I have for you. And uh, since we led there, um, what does it mean to actually love sacrificially? What did you have to die to is what I'm trying to ask. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in your marriage, um, Obviously, to your own freedom, right? Like, you don't get to do anything you want to do. You have to kind of counsel with your wife about, like, your time and where do you spend it. Um, but what else would you say that, you know, it meant that love is sacrificial for you? Um, that's a great question. Uh, I think one of the biggest things I yeah. remember my pastor mm-hmm. uh, who I grew up in, he, he said this, he said um, that when he touched the doorknob, he yeah. played this game with himself that yeah. now he is starting his most important job, <laughs> that he's worked all yeah. day long, he's yeah. tired, he's been doing all the different stuff, but he's leaving that behind mm-hmm. and he is now husband and father. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Lisa, I was asking her, you know, similar yeah. things and what would you say, you know, how would she answer? And she, you know, I, I really went, especially when the kids were younger, tried to come home. I did the bedtime routine. So mm-hmm. I'm getting them prepared for bed. So oftentimes she would be, you know, cleaning up after dinner and stuff. So I'm getting them ready for bed, doing stories and yeah, yeah. falling asleep halfway through the stories. <laughs> and, and uh, but, you know, just, just having a lot of fun taking over yeah. because she's been with them all day long. So mm-hmm. giving her a break, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I hear about dudes who they come home and their wives sit down with my wife and they mm-hmm. say, he just sits on his phone. He expects to be, you know, dinner to be ready, clothes to be, you know, washed and cleaned and yeah. put away yeah. and the house looking, you know, crazy good. And he just chills out and expects to just to be served. And so, you know, oftentimes, um, for the, you know, trying to do the dishes, you know what Lisa says. You know, there's nothing sexier than when you're doing the dishes and you're spending, you're spending <laughs> time awesome. with the kids. Yeah. Um, when you're helping around the house, yeah. when when we're a team. Mm-hmm. You know that thing about submission and headship yeah, yeah. and all that. We're a team, um, and so when you do that together, when she feels like you've got her mm-hmm. back, uh, we had life group at our house last night. You know, a bunch of people over, and every week it's a big deal to try and get the house ready to go. Yeah. And she was saying, "Thank you so much." You know, I just 
getting the bed made and, and getting the table ready to go and doing some of those things that, that make a difference and then start rocking the dishes and getting the kids going. And, and so yeah. those are some of the things that if we can say, listen, rather than um, my, my most important job, I didn't make covenant with my job with AT&T or Microsoft or whoever it is. I made covenant with this woman. This is the woman I'm yeah. going to spend the rest of my life with. So I'm going to honor that marriage. I'm going to take care of my responsibility with my kids. And you know what? I can sleep when I go to bed. But yeah. right now it's time to uh, where the real work begins. With, with that said, I, I think there's, I see a lot of ministers, you're a minister, you're a pastor, as far as I know, you've been a pastor for a very long time. Um, Do I look that old? Uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> um, you're a cool pastor, though. <laughs> I mean, our youth ministry loved you. I mean, I remember <laughs> South Campus, you went and preached at South Campus, and some of the guys came up like, dude, what's that dude's name? Like, the tall guy? And I'm like... You mean Pastor Eric? He's like, yeah, bro, that was awesome. I love the guy. <laughs> like, I'm like, you don't remember the name, but like, <laughs> you know, he was awesome. Just a cool bro. <laughs> um, but with that said, though, like, it seems um, that a lot of times ministers, they're so infatuated with their ministry and how to do things for God. Then the process, their whole family gets lost. You know, they have a son that he's not spending time with or a daughter. And I think... Um, the question that I have for you is how do you manage that? How do you manage being everyone's father in church? Because technically that's what we do a lot of times as pastors. We we try to take care of people's emotional needs. So, so on one hand, it's like everyone is kind of asking you for your attention, but then not forsaking the, hey, your first and foremost attention needs to be given to your kids and your wife. Obviously Jesus, but like I'm talking about like from a human perspective, like how do you manage between a church that has so many needs and then still fulfilling the needs of your, you know, son, daughters. I mean, sons, daughters, and, and your your wife. Really easy mm. answer. Yeah. Super difficult to walk it out. Um, yeah. And the the easy answer is is that all our married life, Lisa and I have tried, attempted, yeah. and this has been more on me than it has on her because yeah. I've been the one kind of out, you know, doing stuff. But um, I remember my parents said, "You can never minister beyond your covenant." Mm-hmm. So. You know, I, if if my relationship with Lisa, which is has to be number one in my life, yeah, um, obviously with the Lord, yeah. um, but if my relationship with Lisa is not number one and prioritized, and that's that's that has been a really challenge um, mm-hmm. because it's I, you know, it's like I'm a chaplain as well. I serve as a chaplain for mm-hmm. Key County Sheriff's Department, and um, one of the things they talk about is the personality of a first responder. And mm-hmm. a first responder, um, pastors, policemen, firefighters, when, when everything, when the house is burning down, they're running in, right? Yeah. Pastors the same way. We try and help everyone. We, our heart is that, and you were telling me about, you know, just yeah, some tragedy yeah, yeah. within the context of the youth ministry. You yeah. feel responsible for people's lives. But that can't be the way that it is. And um, I, can't, I can't father everyone. I, mm-hmm. I can't help everyone. And I'm certainly not their messiah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have been called to serve Lisa, you know, to, to raise and disciple my children. Mm-hmm. And those, that's the most important that has to be. Now, I, having said that, yeah. I haven't always practiced that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've failed a lot, but Lisa and I being on the same team together, what we've tried to do is evaluate all the time along the way. Um, how are we doing? 
And yeah. that's, that's a hard answer to hear sometimes because sometimes you're failing miserably at all things. Yeah. And that's yeah. really, really tough. But she helps me so much with keeping things in priority and realizing, you know, it talks about, you know, I'm, we talk about this on a regular basis, you know, just the, the amount of time that I spend in press, uh, message prep. Yeah. I can spend hours and hours. There's never a message I've ever preached that yeah. was finished. Yeah. There's always they never 10, are. 20 more hours I could have spent on it. And she's like, you know, Eric, nobody wants to hear a message that you've spent neglecting your family over. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, it makes me want to cry right now. I'm serious. But, it, but it's yeah. so true. And, and so how do we discipline our time, yeah. manage the things that we need to do, and keep it all in, in, in perspective? Uh, it's, a, it's a juggling thing. I don't think it's a balanced thing. Honestly, yeah. somebody told me one time, they said, you know what? It's not balance balancing it? this and this. It's the fullness of, of, it. of all these things. Yeah. Because uh, when I look at a lot of fathers, uh, especially in our youth ministry, is they look at youth ministry as, hey, come here, fix my kid, you know? It's like, yeah. no, you as a father have the primary role in discipling yeah. your own son and daughter. And the last question I have before, um, you know, I I always ask people this, um, how do you practically live in light of eternity? I know that, that there's so many things you could, could say, but your personal devotion, what, that, what does that look like? I mean, um, how, 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 I mean, studying the Bible, what do you do practically every day that, you know, makes eternity a reality you know not just something that hey someday uh i i love what um i think russell i heard him say this one time you know he said one of the most um valuable things you could do is is go to funerals that's so good you know and uh it's because it's that time where you're you're faced with your mortality Mm -hmm. um yes we are immortal we're yeah. all going to live on, right. whether with God or without Him. Yeah. Um, but keeping those things in perspective um, helps us. It frames all of life. Uh, so that, I think, church, because hopefully we're preaching messages yeah. that are ca- causing us and provoking us to really think um, consider the most important things to prioritize. But it's, it, I think it's the death of both my father and mother that, and my father-in-law yeah. that have brought me to that place of keeping things in perspective loving more loving deeper with my family prioritizing time yeah. all the things it's like i don't have time to waste yeah i do waste time but we don't have time to waste and we've got to value the things that god values yeah awesome well i want to take a moment and thank you so much for being on this podcast i'm looking forward i'm looking forward to having you back uh, hopefully pastor lisa and for you guys who have been still watching this i mean it's been an hour well two parts um, but I hope that this inspires you to become a better man, uh, to become a better father, to become a better minister, and uh, to live in light of eternity. And with that said, God bless you. Take care, and uh, bye. Cheers. Hey, that was Pastor Eric, and I wanted to remind you, if you can, uh, to um, rate and review this podcast. Uh, it means a lot to me, uh, and it also helps a lot of people to kind of Uh, hear about this podcast when you rate it and review it. So with that said, God bless you. Until next time, take care.